I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 153, in which we start our fifth year. And I'm recording this on April 6, 2014. I want to start out by saying thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you especially to those of you, again, who have been with me since the very beginning, and there are still a handful of you who have stuck it out. Uh, welcome to anybody, especially any new listeners, and I know now that I've run the giveaway and gotten people's comments, I've got quite a few of you, so welcome aboard, everybody. I am going to be talking about a variety of things. Today feels like another catch-up episode because I had the interview with Ami Sims last week, um, so I kind of put off some uh, listener feedback and I didn't talk much about stuff I've had going on, so today we're going to kind of catch up with a lot of that. The first thing I get to do, though, is officially announce the winner of my fourth podcast anniversary giveaways. A big shout-out to Diane also known as DDR Quilter for all of us on Twitter. She won the Fat Quarter Shop gift certificate. Congratulations, Diane, and we do expect to see pictures of what you bought. You will be hearing from Fat Quarter Shop hopefully in the next day or two with that gift certificate. I do also, I I had an interesting occurrence (laughs) with the Craftsy class. Um, First of all, Some of you may have picked up on the fact that the initial information I posted about what you were actually eligible to win on Craftsy was incorrect. The information they had sent me to begin with said one thing, but then I got a later email from them that said another. And after I kind of straightened it out with them, I went back in and changed uh, the blog. So at first it looked like you could only win one class, and then it turned out you could win any class of your choice. And I did try to get that word out just in case there were some of you who hadn't entered that particular giveaway, think, you know, if you already had that class or weren't interested in it. So that got straightened out. The other thing that then happened was about halfway through the week, I got an email from Craftsy saying, we drew your winner. Congratulations to this person. And I immediately sent him out an email that said, hold up, it's not over yet. (laughs) The giveaway runs until Sunday. They got back to me quite quickly. And Craftsy's, um, their customer service is absolutely fantastic. And they were very kind about this whole thing. And they said, yeah, our bad. Sorry, we misread your email. They didn't know exactly when my giveaway was ending, I guess. They had misread it. Um, So instead of only having one winner, they gave me two. Um, I don't actually know who the second winner is yet uh, because I'm recording this Sunday afternoon. They probably won't be back in their office until tomorrow to draw the winner. They do the actual drawing of the winner from their end. So I can say congratulations to the first winner who was June. She already knows she won because Craftsy got in touch with her immediately before I could even go back to them and say, wait, this isn't over yet. Um, So congratulations to June and congratulations to whomever that second person will be, which as yet remains unknown. So um, I will probably hear from Craftsy at the same time as the winner does, but if the winner hears from Craftsy and just wants to shoot me an email to say, by the way, 
I'm the one who won. That would be great because right now it's a big mystery to me. But that's that was pretty exciting for me that not only one person won a free class, Craftsy class, but actually two did. So congratulations to Diane. Congratulations to June. And congratulations to Mysterious third potential winner. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun running that. I'm going to be um, talking about some of the responses I got on the giveaway comments. Uh, which was a lot of fun for me to read as well. So most of this episode is going to be a Sandy update. I don't have any, well, kind of some reviews within other stuff that I'm talking about what I've been doing. Um, The first is that, again, those of you who are on uh, Twitter do know I've developed some knee issues. I, you know, it's one of those things that, of course, I knew this was going to happen. And of course it happened. I've actually avoided using the treadmill for many years. Um, I don't want to say I have bad knees, but I had injured my knee way back when I was in high school, and so it can tend towards being re-injured fairly easily. But I was getting really, really bored of my gym routine, because I've been doing essentially the same thing with some little variation here and there for several years. And so I had decided, you know what, okay, I'm going to try to train for a 5K. We've got the color run coming up here in Rochester, um at the end of May, I did the math. I looked at the Zombies Run 5K training app, which got rave reviews and a lot of very well-respected sources. And so I decided, you know, I love Zombies Run. I was, I'd already finished all the seasons that Zombie Run had um, available. Their new season hasn't quite come out yet. I think it's supposed to come out sometime this month or maybe in May. Uh, But I thought, well, why don't I do the 5K training and we'll just see how it goes. And it is, it's a really I think, in my slightly uneducated opinion, I think it's a really well-done training app. They worked with experts in the field to develop this app. Um, And so if you're thinking you might uh, train for the 5K, do check out the Zombies Run 5K training app. A lot of the reviewers on iTunes, actually, or wherever I was, and I don't remember now where it was, but they compared it. People had tried the couch to 5k training app and also the zombies run 5k training app and actually preferred the zombies run app so um you know for whatever that means but i really enjoyed it it's it takes it very slowly it does not push you too fast so the fact that i developed knee issues had nothing to do with the app whatsoever it also had nothing to do with my shoes i had really good running sneakers and in fact i had gone to because i knew okay if i've got issues with knees I better get me some good shoes because that's going to set it off faster than anything. And so I had actually gone to a running store, not just a regular shoe store. I had gotten measured. They took a video of me walking on a treadmill from behind my feet only so that they could measure and look at how my feet moved and all that kind of stuff and and gave me two or three sneakers to um, try out. And the, the ones I have, I love. I would wear them all day if I wasn't trying to, you know, make them last as long as possible because they're not cheap, um, but they are great sneakers. So none of that. It was just, it was purely the issue of my own knees and my own legs and the fact that I needed to do, really, as it turns out, I should have done a lot more strength training first. Uh, So if any of you are thinking you might start a 5K, you might want to start some strength training first, because it's really the muscles above and below your knees that support your knees. 
And I think that's where my issues were because I'd kind of slacked off on my strength training. So that's what I'm doing now anyway, um, not to spend a whole lot of time on my medical history, but what I'm doing now is the whole RICE thing, which is R-I-C-E, rest, ice, compression, and elevation. And you might as well add um, AIM to that, anti-inflammatory medications. And I did, um, I tried, I thought it was a shin thing to begin with because actually it's not right in my knee. It's a little bit below my knee that was really bothering me. And um, was icing it, was resting it a little bit, but then I'd go back and because I was like, well, if it's an exercise thing, I've got to be stretching it. I've actually got to be using it. You know, that'll help my shins build up strength and all that kind of thing. Finally called my doctor and um, just had a phone consultation with her. Didn't even have to go in. She asked me a few questions, um, asked me about a couple of uh, symptoms and is it easier doing this than this and everything. And she said, okay, well, here's what I think it is. And it's actually bursitis which makes me feel 95 years old. <laughs> I've, I've never associated bursitis with young, fit people. Um, so I'm trying to reframe it in my head as to rather than an old person's disease, it is an athlete's disease. I got this because I was working out. And so therefore it is a, a mark that I'm actually, you know, an athlete. Ha! <laughs> but anyway, um, it does actually help knowing that because it turns out some of the things I was doing to try to stretch out my shin was actually aggravating the bursitis. So now I'm changed up what I'm doing. Um, and I'm off of the treadmill altogether. I will start going back to the gym and back to the elliptical or the bike, maybe, although I've never liked, I like riding bikes outside. I've never liked a bike in the gym. Um, but anyway, I'm going to start maybe going back to doing that kind of slowly tomorrow. Because uh, the other thing is bursitis is not so much a pressure thing as it is a repetitive motion thing. So I just, I have to be kind of careful um, about how much I do. Today I did take a walk. We had a beautiful weather today. Absolutely gorgeous. It is almost 50 whole degrees, <laughs> which which means around here, yes, there are people outside in t-shirts and shorts, you know. <laughs> this is, welcome to Western New York. The minute it gets above 40, people are in flip-flops. <laughs> So, so today I had a hoodie on and a vest, but um, I took Sammy out for a 30-minute walk along the canal path, which is the Erie Canal. I live right next to that historic marker. Um, and it was just him and me and about half of our village. Everybody was out today, uh, which is the reason I took Sammy and not both Sammy and Spencer, because Spencer does not do nearly as well on the leash, and she gets very anxious, and she gets very wound up about anybody else being around. Bikes particularly make her very nervous, other dogs. So I just was not up to that. So I, I left her home, broke her heart, took Sammy with me, um, and we had a very nice walk. And I just made sure, you know, I was listening to my body and making sure that I was fine walking, and I really was. Um, I will probably, as soon as I'm done recording this, I will probably just sit with a little bit of ice just to make sure I, I didn't do anything, but it feels okay. So I think I'm doing well. So that's that's where it stands. I'm no longer going to be doing the 5K. <laughs> um, my I'm very disappointed because I really wanted to do the the color run. And my nephew and his girlfriend and my niece and her husband, we were all going to do it together. Um, it was going to be a lot of fun. And when I sent them all a message saying, okay, I'm out, here's the situation, my nephew's girlfriend said, oh, you know, well, we can always walk it together or we'll just all come to your backyard and throw paint at each other. <laughs> 
was like, either one of those sounds fun. So, you know, I might still walk it, but that's not quite as much fun for me. I really kind of wanted to be able to at least, you know, jog some of it, but that's not looking likely at all. Um, that being said, now that the weather's getting nicer, I'm kind of back to thinking maybe I should pull a bike out again. I used to ride my bike all the time when I was a kid. Loved doing, um, loved uh, just 20 miles a day I would ride. And we had a local bike race that I used to be in and did pretty well. And so part of me, actually, I never liked running. I've always liked biking. So I might eh, I might try to do the biking thing again. Um, the problem is the street that our street is off of is crazy. People drive like maniacs on that street. Um, so in order for me to get anywhere, I have to brave the maniac <laughs> road. And that's always been a stopper, but we'll figure that out. Um, quilty wise, what I've been doing, I've been again, back in the basement again this weekend, doing a lot more hand dyeing. I did two ice dyes and the reason what I've found most useful about ice dyeing in terms of education is you really learn about what makes up the color of the dyes. Um, there are some dyes that are called pure dyes and that's just the color is the color is the color. There's other dyes that are compound dyes, I think they're called, or mixed dyes, if you want to use the uh, the simpler term. And what that means is a lot of different colors are mixed to get that one color. And black is the best example of that. Um, black is made up of a slew of different colors. And I have two different black dyes. I have uh, 628 and 629, I think, although um, that's Procam and Dyes. Uh, color numbering system, if that makes a difference. Supposedly, when I bought them, the person that I bought them from said one is kind of a warmer black and the other one's kind of a cooler black. I have actually not seen a huge amount of difference between them, and I've done a lot of testing with them. I suspect the difference comes out more once you start mixing them with other colors to create the um, tonal versions of those colors. But in any case, I decided to break both of those black dyes just to see if there was a huge difference in what colors make them up. And ice dyeing does that. So I did two ice dyes, a yard each, and they were one black and then the other black. And I still am not sure um, that I see a huge difference in the types of colors that are in the fabrics. They, they do definitely look a little bit different, um, but I need to get them pressed. I've gotten them out of the dryer now, but I really... You see the, the hand dyed best once it's been pressed flat. And so I need to get to that step so I can really study the two. Uh, but that was a lot of fun because you really, you do see a lot of different colors that show up. And I'll be posting pictures of all my hand dyes in the blog at some point this week. It's going to take me a while to put all the pictures together. But sometime later this week, you'll see the pictures from last weekend and this weekend. The other thing I tried this weekend, finally got myself set up to do shibori. And shibori is... It's a technique, um, and actually, true shibori is a whole kind of wash of techniques together, and I've got a book on it, but I was doing the one that most people know of as shibori, and what you do is you need some sort of a cylinder object. Um, generally speaking, PVC pipes are what most people use because they're easy to keep clean, and they're, you know, you can get them in a variety of widths, and then you wrap the fabric really, really tightly around it, and then you scrunch it all down so it's got a lot of ridges in it, and then you dye it. And once you rinse it out, it gets this really wonderful um, texture, visual texture to it of those stripes where the, the resist has been. And it's it's basically what I would call a pressure resist. So it's the rubber bands or string that you use to wind the, um, 
you wind it around the fabric to hold it to that pipe and you you have to do it super super tight what i learned about my dies because the dies i used on the shibori one of them is one of the new purchases i did at lancaster and it's a deep navy blue i don't remember what the actual name or number i didn't write it down here i've got it you know on file in my basement but i don't have it in front of me now um I kind of wanted to do like an indigo sort of feeling and I thought that navy blue would kind of give me that. What I've learned about that deep navy blue is it's a very aggressive dye and what that means is it will go through resist much more quickly than a lot of other colors. A lot of colors you stick a rubber band on something and it keeps all the color out and you end up with white. Some colors you end up with a pale version some colors actually break and so you'll get color mixes where those rubber bands are um the navy blue didn't it didn't care that that rubber band was there was going to get through anyway so um the texture on that one is shall we say just very subtle and then i had also used the navy blue on one of the other shiboris with some uh i think it was lemon yellow and mixing red and mixing red is also a fairly aggressive red red in general is a little more aggressive um, mixing red in particular and so those didn't end up, well, the, that one, because it's got the three colors and it has yellow, the, the texture, visual texture is a little more obvious, but it still didn't resist as much as I thought it would. Um, and then I had two others I did that you can see the texture in a little bit more. So again, that was a great, um, I like the results. It's not that I don't like the results. I didn't get the results I thought I was going to get, which is part of the learning process. And it's all about which dyes you use. So that was a really good um, experimentation for me to do. Plus, you know, I ended up with some cool fabrics at the end. Um, I still have a couple in the dryer, so I haven't f seen the final, final version of that. I also this time did some clothing. I did, um, I have a t-shirt. Well, it's, it's a nice, it's not, you know, like a jersey t-shirt. It's a nice cotton uh, v-neck shirt that I bought from some nice store. And it has embroidery that goes over one shoulder. And it was always one of my favorite shirts. Um, because it's a t-shirt, but it's a really nice looking t-shirt, you know, so it was, I could be comfortable, but still look nice. Um, unfortunately, I got some stains on it, I believe from a laundry and back before I started hand dyeing. So don't blame me. <laughs> it was just, you know, how sometimes um, some laundry detergents or fabric softeners or whatever can sometimes leave a, leave a stain. And so this had a few stains on the front of it. And I had tried washing it and cleaning it and all this kind of stuff and it hadn't come out. Um, and because of that embroidery, we're actually a little bit limited how uh, assertive we can be <laughs> in our stain treatment. But anyway, so it's sat off to the side for several months. And I finally decided this weekend, you know, I'm just going to throw it in a dye bath because I'm already not wearing it. I can't make it any worse. Let me just see what happens. And so I did dye it. It turned out nicely, although I used colors that I knew probably weren't really going to go with the embroidery design <laughs> that was on it. So, you know, in terms of color scheme, it's not the best, but it's back to something I would at least wear around the house, whether or not I would wear it out in public or not, I don't know. But that was kind of fun doing that. Um, and then the other thing I really enjoyed doing is I bought some uh, PFD wrist warmers from Dharma Trading. Dharma Trading does has a lot of uh, dyeable clothing that you can choose from. And this was the first time I'd seen these, or I would have done them, you know, back last fall. And they're, you know, a fingerless glove, essentially, but the, the fabric comes probably halfway up the forearm, so they're fairly long. Um, and I wear a pair of knit wrist warmers that my sister made me, fingerless gloves. I've, I wear them all winter because my office is freezing cold most of the time. Um, 
but I decided, you know, it'd be kind of fun to be able to do different colors and different moods and that kind of thing. And, and they really turned out kind of cute. I'm going to wear them for a while to see how well the, the material itself holds up. And if I like the way they work, I'm probably going to do more and I probably would offer them for sale. So you can keep an eye out for those. They're just really fun. And then finally, I did um, buy another set of shelves and a few bins so I can hopefully once again reorganize my dye studio. I might get to that later today, although my son's coming over for dinner with some friends so that they can watch Game of Thrones together with my husband. So I'm going to be um, making soup soon, and then um, I'm not entirely sure what time they're all showing up, so I'm not clear how much time I have left the rest of the day. <laughs> um the string star, I'm still cutting pieces for the border. That's going to be a little while. But now that I've got the next thing done, I can now focus more on that one. I finally, finally, finally got my stupendous stitching class project finished, completed. I have completed that craftsy class. I will be doing a blog post with photos um, and giving a full review. I'm going to be working on that this afternoon. I do want to get that done. Um, I had... A lot of fun with the class. It is not a mark on the class that it took me well over a year <laughs> to finish it. It's just, you know, how these things go. Um, mostly I really, I got to use some of my hand dyes. I got to use some pretty threads that I've bought over the years, never had a chance to use before. I got to test out fancy stitches on my machine. I got to learn some hand embroidery and, you know, for that I used the book I bought at Lancaster that I talked about in a previous episode. And I learned yet another completely different kind of binding um, to add to my toolkit for future reference. So I learned a lot from the class, um, got to have fun just playing. Uh, the only kind of tedious part of the class was the uh, Stitch Bible at the beginning, but it was tremendously worthwhile doing that. And it is something I will now have for reference for the rest of this machine's life anyway. Um, so it was a very valuable class. I, I do highly recommend it, but, you know, keep an eye out for the blog post. Like I said, I'm, I'm already started to work on writing it up, but it's going to take me a little while. So hopefully you'll see that um, blog post in the next couple of days. In terms of crafty classes, um, I think last time I talked about what class I was going to do next, I was still a little bit waffling between two. I've definitely decided I'm going to work on Ann Peterson's machine quilting. I think it's called Beyond Basic machine quilting. Um, I have watched all of the videos in it. I'm now going back. And I the thing that I had been kind of waiting to figure out while I was finishing up the stupendous stitching project was whether or not I was going to do the class project for the machine quilting class or whether I was going to just use her designs on other UFOs I already had to do. And I've got I've decided I'm just going to go ahead and do her project I can use more of my hand dyes. I can play more with my pretty, pretty threads. Um, and I'll probably get it done faster that way than than trying to figure out which one of my UFOs it might fit. Um, so I've, I've just got to go ahead and put together the, the piece that I'm going to use for that class, which really won't take that long. It's just a solid piece in the center. And then she has a little bit of a border on it with some cornerstones just so you can practice different designs. Uh, so I've just got to kind of take an hour or so, figure out what fabrics I'm going to use, what I'm going to do as a border, that kind of thing, and, and just put it all together uh, so that I can start practicing that. And then the other craftsy class I'm going to be working on at the same time is Thread Art with Lola Jenkins. I've been wanting to get at this class. Well, it's actually one of the newer classes that I own. I've, I think I bought it 
hmm, late fall, early winter of this year. Uh, so I haven't had it for a long time. And I was actually kind of surprised because when I first bought it, I thought it was going to be thread painting, thread sketching. And it is sort of, but it's it's actually, you do also then use colored pencils to actually do the coloring in on the, the quilt, um, which was kind of a surprise. And at first I thought, oh, I'm not sure that was really what I wanted to do. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm game. You know, it'll be fun to do. Uh, so I'm looking forward to doing that. You do a picture of some sort. And uh, she does have a picture included in the uh, class materials that you can do. But what I've decided to do instead, after a lot of thinking and kind of looking through some possibilities, is I'm going to use a um, a picture that actually my husband, when before when he was in high school, he went to France as an exchange student. And while he was there, he bought a poster, a paper poster, that then his mother had mounted for him when he got home. And... It was, it hung in our house for years and years and years. I think it was just when we moved to this house that it never got rehung because by then it had gotten a little bit damaged. And it's a print of Alphonse Mucha, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, who was an Art Nouveau artist. It's one of his prints that he made um, for Salon de Saint, which is, or Saint, which is an artist salon that was um, prevalent in the Art Nouveau era. And so this is one of those prints that he made. Um, and I thought, it, you know, it would be kind of nice and it would be nice for my husband, if, unless it turns out really ugly, <laughs> but it would be nice to do that print. And then um, Lola Jenkins also shows you how to do, like to put two photos together or put a frame around it or something, um, a visual frame around it, a different piece of art. So I've been collecting, uh, for the last several months, I've got a couple of different coloring books that are, from that time period, and, and one that is specifically Alphonse Mucha himself, um, his artwork. And there's a couple of framing pieces that I've picked out that I might try to do, depending on how complicated I want to try to get. So I'm really, you know, I've got all the materials to do the class. I just have to now start the actual steps of printing out the photo to use in the size I need, um, plus making some of those other decisions and doing the tracing and that kind of thing. So um, now that stupendous stitching is done, I'm going to focus on the Ann Peterson one first and finishing off the string star quilt. <laughs> and then um, I can be kind of poking away at the thread art one with uh, with the, the Lolo Jenkins class as I'm finishing up Ann Peterson's class, etc. So um, I'm really looking forward to digging into both of those. I think those would be good classes to do. So um, that is my update. I had a finish. I've gotten some hand dyes done and I've made progress on some other stuff. So it's been a good couple of weeks, despite the fact that I had so many stinking nighttime conference calls. <laughs> um, so anyway, what I wanted to do is just do a quick skate through some of the answers to the fourth podcast anniversary. I had asked a question for the giveaway of... Um, which giveaway was it? The the Fat Quarter Shops gift certificate. I had asked people to leave a comment on the blog. And I usually, I ask a question, you know, answer a question. And, and I just couldn't come up with anything that, you know, sounded particularly interesting to me. So I just said, okay, name your favorite four. And I was surprised at how much fun I had reading the responses. You guys were pretty darn clever. Um, a few people named furry friends, legs or paws, although not nearly as many as I expected, because that was as soon as I said, oh, name your favorite four, my dogs came to mind. Um, a few named seasons of the year. 
that they liked the Four Seasons. Although one person said, admitted she'd lived in an area where there weren't really seasons and she had to drive to go to the seasons. Um, normally, I would say seasons too. I enjoy seasons. But, you know, this year winter's been a little bit of a bully. <laughs> and I think I want to send it for a very long time out. So I was a little less uh, nicely inclined towards seasons this year. Several of you have four-year-old children. A couple of you said quilts that have four sides, although you also noted that not all quilts do. Several people had four siblings or four members of their family. Um, and then there's a few others I just want to read specifically. So hang on, I'm going to switch to my email so I can pull them up. Okay, let's start um, with some of the comments. And again, I'm, I'm only highlighting a few because we had a lot of respondents. But let me just uh, say, let's see, Connie said, how about the four UFOs I've finished so far this year? So Connie, I wanted to give you a shout out. Yay for finishing some UFOs. And I'm sure in another few months, it'll be even more than four. Kati said, oh, I, <laughs> I wanted to highlight hers because she said I might be the oldest quilty podcast out there. I'm not quite the oldest quilty podcast out there. Although I'm one of the older ones, but I'm not the oldest. I don't think a couple of people beat me to it. Although a couple of podcasts that were around when I first started are no more. That's the world of podcasting. So I'm sorry about that. Um, but thank you for your kind words, Cotty. Sarah says, my favorite four is the 4th of July. And then she goes on to describe this. <laughs> this incredible. I mean, it's like something out of a TV show. Uh, she lives in a small town in the state of Connecticut, and they have this big 4th of July parade, and they have a pancake breakfast, and um, she takes her vintage red wagon, which is decorated for the day and filled with hundreds of flags, and she distributes them to all the kids. I mean, it just sounds like something that should be... I, I guess I've been watching a lot of episodes of Murder, She Wrote, which happens in a small town in the coast of Maine. And what you described to me, Sarah, sounds like something I'd see in that show. So that was a wonderful uh, description. So thank you for that. Um, Carla says, I like using four different colors of yarn in a crocheted afghan. So I will forgive you for it not being a quilt reference, but <laughs> that's okay. Afghans are okay. Um, and I enjoyed the fact that you like four different colors of yarn. Someday you'll have to send me pictures of your crocheted afghans. It would be nice to see. Oh, here's another Sarah who said fat quarter bundles is her favorite four. But then she says, otherwise, it's got to be king size Reese's cups. Four peanut butter cups equals heaven. And I agree with you on that, although I don't let myself eat them too often. But I do like me some Reese's peanut butter cups. Uh, Karen says, have to say my favorite four right now are me and my three siblings. And this one just, oh, this touched me so much, Karen, when you said this. She says, I think we are doing a fantastic job of supporting and taking care of my elderly parents. The whole experience, although very challenging and sometimes heartbreaking, has brought us closer together and makes me so grateful for my family. So thank you so much for that, Karen. Um, that's wonderful. I really enjoyed reading that. Joan asked, can I be greedy and have four favorite fours? And then she goes on to say, the first would be, it is four months since I was in the USA visiting with my son and his family. The second four would be, it is four months before I will be visiting my daughter and her family in Australia. The third four would be the fat quarters in my local shops and all their possibilities. And the final four would be the four friends I will be visiting in the UK Festival of Quilts later this year. Um, th that was pretty impressive, Joan. I really appreciated your comment. And yes, you can have four favorite fours. It did not, however, help you win the giveaway for that. I apologize. Um, 
Saras, another Sarah, said, Four o'clock is my favorite. Four school lets out. Woohoo! That was a nice one. Z Any Mouse said, Something I love that comes in four. I couldn't think of anything, so I asked my daughter, and she said, Chocolate? Buy three, get one free? <laughs> I like that your daughter is very creative. And, of course, any reference to chocolate is a good one. Um, I wanted to also give a shout out to Jess, and she said she really enjoys the podcast, even though I don't quilt much yet, she said. And I, I, Jess, I'm emphasizing the yet. She said if she won the gift certificate, it would go to building a bit of stash. And I'm so sorry, Jess, that you did not win the gift certificate, but have fun building your stash. And if you're a new listener, um, you might want to go back. I did an episode way back in my first year about stashes and how to build a stash and having stashes that work. Um, So you may want to go back. I have no idea what number it was, but you might want to go back and listen to that one. Melissa said, the set of four I like consists of hearts, diamonds, spades, and clubs. Yep. I mean cards. A couple of decks of cards brings back happy memories of family games with my mom and dad. And Melissa, I am all about that. We used to play a ton of cards when I was growing up. And when my kids were both young and living at home, we I taught them four-handed solitaire, which which can be a brutal, bloodthirsty game. If, if you've never heard of it, let me know and I will teach you all about four-handed solitaire. Um, Maza said, oh, she goes... You are very good at spending my money, too. I have four more craftsy classes in my wish list. <laughs> so congratulations, Maza or Maza. Um, yeah, welcome to the Craftsy Club. Also, AJ Dub says, Something that used to come in for was a box of truffles from a chocolate shop I worked at in Utah. I haven't been there for years, so I don't know that they still offer them. They were delicious. So if anybody can verify for AJ Dub that the chocolate shop still has boxes of four truffles you have to send me the box of truffles just so we can truly prove that these did exist that's that's my only requirement of evidence of proof just send me the chocolate truffles i'm a huge fan of chocolate truffles just the pure chocolate ones don't give me any raspberry nonsense or lemon or filling or caramel or anything like that just pure out dark chocolate truffles. That's my thing. Um, Debbie said four is the number of sewing machines that I have, which of course begs the question, who's got more? Somebody else. I'm sure there are people out there. And I'm not talking about collectors. I'm talking about people who actually have more sewing machines that they use on a regular basis. Um, I'm just curious, who's got the most sewing machines? Eileen said, I never want to have more than four projects going at the same time. So again, that begs the question, who's got more? Okay, fess up. How many of you have more than four projects going at once? Erin says her four kids, she loves them to death, even though they drive her crazy. And she says, she goes on to say, I bought four spools of my neutral thread yesterday at Joanne's. I buy in sets of two, one for top, one for bobbin, which I wind all at once, seven bobbins all ready to sew. And last night she had four coupons to use. So she not only has four kids, she has four spools and four coupons. So congratulations on that. Uh, Christy says, my son just turned four. Now, a lot of you had children who were four years old. Christy's son is only two days older than my podcast. So I presume that means, Christy, that you were listening to my very first episode in the, you know, in the hospital after the delivery while you were trying to adjust to having this new little son in your life. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure you didn't find the podcast until much longer, but I prefer to have that image in my head. It's it's nice and warm and cozy for me. 
So, Christy, congratulations on your son's birthday, since it's so close to my podcast anniversary. Kay said she likes the four tires in her car because they take her to all the wonderful quilt shops in her part of Arizona. The stash just keeps growing and growing, she says. And Jay said four patches. Four patches are extremely versatile in the quilt world. And I have to say, actually, a couple of people also said four patches, but Jay was the first one who said that, and I hadn't even thought about that, so that was a great answer. Jenny says, I give thanks for these four things. Jenny went all deep and profound on us. <laughs> she said, I give thanks for these four things. Peace, hope, love, and patchwork. <laughs> I think that needs to be a t-shirt. Noni says, um, what comes in four? G at 4 a.m. It's hard to think about it. Four patches, fat quarter sale bundle from my local quilt shop, and four Oreo cookies eaten with my grandson. And Noni, we're all about eating the Oreo cookies. So that was a really wonderful comment as well. Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner said, oh, something that comes in fours. Hmm. How about those cute little individual wine bottles that come in a four pack? <laughs> That's something I like. <laughs> To which I can only say, party at Sandy's house. We're all going to show up pretty soon. Susan said, my favorite thing that comes in fours is the college years. My youngest is about to graduate. So that means all three of kids finished their undergraduate degrees in four years. And no more tuition bills means more to spend on quilting fun. And Susan, I so appreciated reading your comment. Because for me, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. I only have two kids and yet we're still paying for college. Um, Debbie said... Something I love that come in fours were the four kids in my family. My three brothers and I moved frequently as military brats, which created a very strong bond between the four of us, which I just loved reading that, Debbie. I read, I ha hear so much about siblings that don't get along that it's always really wonderful for me to hear about siblings that do. I get along very well with my siblings, so it's nice to hear somebody else does. And Joyce says, speaking of siblings, I'm one of four quilting sisters. We live in four different states, Colorado, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee, but stay connected through our love of quilting. And Joyce, I'm one of four sisters, but I'm the only quilter, although there's another one who might come to the light soon. So that was only, like I said, a small representation of all the comments I got. I really appreciated hearing from everybody. And like I said, I didn't I just sort of threw the question up there, didn't really think much about it, and I thoroughly enjoyed reading all of your comments. I really appreciated it. I have a lot of comments from back episodes. I'm, you know, it's just going to take so long. So I think I'm just going to focus on the three folks who um, commented on a couple of the podcast episodes. Um, I got a couple of comments recently on the gradation episode with Jay, which I posted in the middle of March, episode 150. Um, Charlotte, Mad Quilt Lady, uh, posted a comment. She says, I've just found a great example of gradation in shape and color, and she left a link um, for the thing in her comment itself. So if you want to see that, go back to episode 150, in which I talk with uh, gradation with Jay, and look for Charlotte's comment. And then Lauren said, I really enjoyed this podcast on gradation. So often when we hear about contrast and when gradation is mentioned, it just refers to color. And of course, in that episode, we talked about many different types of gradation. And I've also gotten some Twitter comments about gradation. And I'd like to encourage those of you who um, sent links on Twitter 
If you could try to go back to episode 150 and also post your links on that episode as well so that other people can have them, it uh, Twitter is not set up for me to dig back through and find stuff like that. So unfortunately, I can't easily share it with others. So if you would be willing to do that, that would be great. Um, there was somebody had posted one about gradation of size um, and another person talked with me about, um, oh, that might have been an email. Yes, let me look. Yes, that was Gay emailed me and said, um, the Gradation podcast was so wonderful. I looked for gradation in everything. It was really fun when I realized that density is also a form of gradation. Stars in the night sky can be bunched together and then spaced more widely apart, or a single leaf falling from a branch onto leaves covering the forest floor. Um, anyway, great podcast that led to some fun, creative thinking. And I emailed her back and we talked a little bit more about that. I did ask her permission to read the, the email. Um, and that was one I hadn't even really thought I thought about was gradation of density. So that was another great example. Thank you so much for that, Gay. Thank you to Noni for her comment on episode 152 in which I interview Ami Sims and celebrate my fourth podcast anniversary. That was just last week's episode. Um, Noni said she hopes to win a giveaway and she says, Ami is a hoot, have heard several of her lectures and classes. She has lectured at our guild several times as she lives two towns over. Her classes are fun and I make it a point not to miss her lectures. So Noni, I'm very jealous that you've got to hear Ami so many times. And again, that's another shout out to anybody who has a chance to um, do a class with Ami or hear her lecture, you really should, because she is just wonderful to listen to. Um, thank you to Nancy also for your episode, for your comment on the same episode. And she says, thank you for all the time you take to encourage us quilters. I learn from your mistakes, <laughs> which is good because I don't always... <laughs> Thank you for that comment. Um, June also commented on the same episode. I loved the interview with Ami. She sounds like such a fun person to know. I was able to participate in the um, Alzheimer's uh, Alzheimer's uh, Quilt Initiative Quilt a Month Club for the final 16 months. And she says, I'll keep an eye out to see if she offers any classes in my area in the future. And again, Ami's schedule is printed on her website. So go make sure you check that out. Um, I think that's all the episodes I'm going, or all the comments I'm going to talk about in this episode. I do have some others. I will make sure I catch up with you next episode. Um, that's all I've really got to talk about. I'm hoping this week that I will get the borders on Stringstar and maybe can talk to you more about that class and that technique. Um, I don't really like talking about things until I've really fully experienced them. (laughs) so that I can correct my own assumptions from the beginning with what I know by the end. Um, And like I said, I will be posting a full review with photos of the Stupendous Stitching Craftsy class um, sometime this week. And I will also be posting pictures of all of my hand dyes um, from the last couple of weeks sometime this week as well. And hopefully making more hand dies. And I think I've got a lighter week this week. I don't remember that I'm going to be out or have as many conference calls this week, so I should be able to get more done. Um, and so that's it for this episode. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow the blog by email. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do love to see your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, and you can do all of those things 
and more at the website for this podcast, which is www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 